Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. is our interview with production designer Tracy Dishman. Tracy designed for Black Bear, which was directed by Lawrence Michael Levine and stars Aubrey Plaza. We loved getting to hear about how Tracy found her way into production design and what her process was like for designing Black Bear. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Tracy Dishman. We're really excited <laughs> to talk to you. So you are the production designer on Black Bear, which is a film um, at the festival this year. So we just kind of wanted to start with um, a little background on the film, what it's about, and how you got involved. Okay. Um, the film is sort of a thriller slash experimental psychological relationship situation. Um, it's kind of probably noteworthy most in that it is two sort of vignettes within one feature. So your characters go through one experience in the first half of the movie, and then they sort of switch roles and designations in the second half of the movie. It's a totally different reality, but with similar costumes, same location, um, etc. So that's that. It premiered yesterday. It seems to be you know, being received well, which is exciting. And I got involved because one of the producers, Rick Bosner, I've worked with several times before. My first movie with him was Other People, which premiered at Sundance in 2017. And we've gone on to do other projects. So basically, whenever he calls, I know it's going to be something good and fun. And he did not fail me this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about your role in the film? Like, what did that involve um, for you? How did you start the process? And if you could talk a little bit about the two different um, sections of the film and how that influenced the production design. Sure. So um, my role was, you know, I, I met with... Larry, our director, writer, and um, the location had been chosen by the time I was brought on, but um, at first it needed to be sort of like gutted and curated for what made sense for our characters. This is like a young couple who um, were sort of acquiring a family location that they were sort of camping out at and maybe inviting other friends or creatives out to like have, you know, some inspiration in the woods. So the first thing that I did was look up the Adirondack State Park because I had never shot in New York. I am not really a wilderness person. Um, black flies, ticks, like, right? Oh, no. (laughs) I know, I know. Like, it's a whole... Thing, so um, so that, and then you know, looking into the Hudson Valley crew, like who was available, um, I did bring out actually a decorator who I had worked with in Los Angeles, but had recently moved to Montana, and because she's like a, a hunter and a wilderness person, and when I contacted her about black bear, she was like, "Oh, I just passed my um, bear identification course," so I was like, "You are." 
you're the one. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of it is having the right people around you, especially if you're going to be like it, like we were in the middle of nowhere, living together for five weeks. It's intense. And so like aesthetically, you want the right people, but also personality wise, it's like you know, that goes a long way. So, um, crewing up, uh, looking at the location, working with nature, like that really dominated our palette and then infusing kind of what made sense for our characters. And then to your point about the first half and the second half of the film, um, giving, you know, using our elements in different ways, like tracking that of, um, so that it's very subtle, but that it's disorienting. And you're kind of like, well, which is the real one and which is the imagined one? And is anything real or is it all in her head or whatever? And then working closely with our DP and our costume designer so that it all is cohesive and subtle and nuanced and beautiful. Could you give a specific example of one of those elements and how, like, specifically you went about creating that shift to make us feel like, is it reality, is it dream? Yeah, sure. So, um... We, the costume designer, Allie Pierce, and I, um, we wanted to use sort of like the red, purple, fuchsia version of a color to contrast. It's predominantly red, but it sort of had like, you know, we had leeway within that of um, which female character was the dominant character in which vignette and dedicating that color to her in sort of subtle ways and letting it stand off the backdrop of nature because it's so green and brown and muted and just like falling away that um, it was in the personal effects or like within their room, just having those pops that made it. So like in this one piece where um, Aubrey's writing, you know, her chair is red, right? Or her swimsuit's red or whatever. That's just to sort of like anchor the, um, the focus onto whichever character is dominating whichever part of the movie. Interesting. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, so you spoke a little bit about researching the state park, uh, etc. But how does, I'm curious to dig in more to the collaboration with the, the director and how that starts. And then like, what do you do after that initial conversation? How do you kind of like build out this world? Like what tools do you use to then communicate what you're thinking? Sure. So um, he had a list of movies that he was inspired by. So um, just, you know, looking into that, I pull reference, I do a breakdown of the script, and then I sort of send mood boards of this is what I'm thinking, right? And then we go back and forth over that and, you know, like, yes, absolutely this, or, you know, less of that, whatever it may be. Um... And for this particular project, you know, it was really personal for Larry. And he wrote it. He was directing it. He was really uh, creatively invested and aesthetically invested and had a clear vision. And so this wasn't so much a project where I reinvented the wheel. It was more about executing his vision and being really sensitive 
to to what was important for you know what I mean like extracting out of his brain what's important to him and focusing on that and then the things that were not important to him not making it my personal mission to like you know <laughs> take on that battle right like let's it was it was a very tight production very challenging no wi-fi no cell service no joke like living in the woods literally using landlines and cabins to call each other like hey call got pushed you know or leaving notes meet me at the bridge at 11 30 I want to go over tomorrow I mean it was it was back to basics and so um you know, really triaging what what were the important elements that we needed that moved the story forward and that was um, you know essential basically this was a film of what was essential <laughs> we didn't have extras you know we just didn't have the resources for that so it was sort of like identifying the key elements and, and nailing those and that was a lot of like driving around to weird little places in lake communities and knocking on doors and hey can we borrow this chair and going into the other cabins that the crew is staying in and stealing stuff out of their cabins that they didn't know about and then returning it yeah because you know it's like the beauty of being in the middle of of nowhere like that is that you have such a such an abundant palette and you have no resources right because you're in the middle of nowhere so working with that yeah how did those limited resources affect your creative experience it sounds like that would be mm. like did it change it, it that was much, actually really nice okay so the first few days um i mean m- meltdowns across the board like we have got to get wi-fi in here we have got to find cell service like we cannot work without these tools right and then by day three when you're like okay we're not getting wi-fi and if you literally go over that hill and stand by that log, you get two bars. <laughs> and in the mornings, there would be like a, a subtle queue of people in their pajamas waiting to go check their, you know, or there was a bridge that once you crossed it, your phone would just blow up with, every, you know, all that, whatever. So um, one is just acceptance of the reality, like this is our reality, right? So with what we have, how are we going to make it work? Um, and that was super wonderful and liberating. Like once you stop fighting what you think you need and you start utilizing what you have, it, um, it, 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 it affects your creative process so much. And since this is a story about a couple who has left New York to come be in the woods, to have their baby and to like live sort of a more authentic, creative, simple life. It was like that we were actually doing that. So it, I mean, it was just like relaying what our experience was. Right. Yeah. It seems like so much of the place got infused into the film. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's something you couldn't, you just couldn't do, you know, if you didn't have that nature right there. That, no, that's true. And also just like slowing down our own creative, you know, like slowing down to like kind of, well, what would these people do if they're not on their phone? And I can actually see it because I'm not on my phone. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I just want to know about your Sundance experience this year and prior years and just what the festival means to you and what it means to be here. Mm. 
Um, well, it's a privilege, right? And it's an honor. And it's a hassle. <laughs> and it's expensive. And I love it. And I hate it. And um, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. It's like, it's not a casual thing at all. And so um, it is always, you know, it's always nice to have your work uh, celebrated, right, and honored. And then it's also part of the job to, like, show up for that celebration and um, freeze and stand in lines and, like, uh, you know, all of that. But I think, um, you know, Sundance is just, it's, it's just a special little microcosm. And it is kind of a familial thing. Like, one of the things is seeing people who I've seen here before that it's, like, I probably... I only see them here. Yeah. You know what I mean? That thing, or like, oh, I'm going to Atticus to get coffee. Uh, you know, <laughs> shouts and out to Atticus. It's totally shouts. I, I was there oh, last night. So yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> they were in their um, space-themed outfits, right? I tried to find out what today was going to be, but they wouldn't tell me. They were like, "You have to come in to see." So I haven't been there yet. Um, but yeah, like, there's something familial about it, not only in the location because it's so small and intimate. You like get the lay of the land very quickly. Quickly, but then also in the familiar faces because people are coming in from all over that it's it's nice to have a hub like you know an annual get together yeah. yeah I'm curious um I just want to know how you got into production design and what keeps you inspired to keep working so how long do we talk <laughs> You want the short version or the long version? Whatever you like to I, um, I, you know, I had a, like a weird rambling path into it. I did not know that this was a job, you know. And um, in around 2005, I found myself in L.A. I moved there on a whim and had friends who were in the film community. And they were like, go work on this short. And so I went and I worked on this short and then I met someone who needed an assistant and then I did a movie and then that movie went union and then I became a department head and then I was like oh this was I was a prop master and then I saw what the set decorator was doing and I was like oh I actually want to do that so I did that for a while and then I saw what the designer was doing and I was like no actually I want to do that Um, and that is how I you know and actually what happened was I was a decorator for a actor, writer, creator duo, um, Lennon Parham and Jessica St. Clair, and I had decorated for them for a couple of shows, and um, on season two of Playing House, which was for USA, um, the designer wasn't available, and they were like, you know, Dish, you should just bump up, and I was like, that's so cute, but it's a different union, it's a whole other thing, like, I didn't go to school, and they were like, yeah, but no, you can do it. We're just going to write the union. And they wrote the union, and they were like, this person has prior knowledge, um, and we want to grandfather her in, and that is how I became a designer. And so, like, the process of hiring women, supporting women, lifting as you rise, like, it is not only essential to my personal story, but it sort of is how I approach my career with my own crew. Yeah. Wow. That's what happened. That's such a great story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, right? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Do you have any advice for um, younger people who are interested in becoming a production designer and specifically women? Yeah. 
reach out, you know, hit people. It's like those excruciating cold emails and cold calls and you like send out a hundred and one responds. Like it's just part of the process. It, it, it's some, it's sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly for people like you, there's no set trajectory for this career. It's, um, you know, it's a combination of knowing what you want to do, having the skill set to execute it, being a personality that people want to be around and want to hire and then being in the right place at the right time and that last element is the one that is elusive that like you just don't have any control over but if you stick with it the chances the the odds you know are forever in your favor (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a great note to end on here for that um thanks so much for chatting with us tracy oh my gosh you guys i love it thanks for having me of course enjoy the rest of your festival you too thanks you can find us at a brighterlens.com and at a brighter lens on instagram and twitter you can email us at a brighter lens at gmail.com you can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on apple podcasts where we'd love it if you left us a review our theme song was composed by jesse nelson Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell.